Hello and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Banks and credit unions certainly understand the need to innovate, but finding the perfect partners to collaborate with can be a challenge in a marketplace with tens of thousands of potential third-party providers. So how can financial institutions find the right partners to align with with their unique needs, growth ambitions, and internal cultures when the landscape of innovation and solution providers is continually changing? More importantly, how can financial institutions better understand how well third-party providers will implement solutions at speed and at scale? We have Patrick Sells, co-founder of True Digital Group on the Banking Transform podcast. Patrick discusses a new platform where financial institutions can easily understand the marketplace offerings and connect with peers and providers for a better innovation experience. So, Patrick, I've known you for several years, both as the chief innovation officer at NYDIG and more recently as the co-founder of True Digital Group. Interestingly, the last time we spoke, you were traveling across the U.S. meeting with community banks and credit unions, discussing how to innovate easier and faster with the benefit of what I'll call crowdsourced insights from like financial institutions. So, Patrick, can you share a little bit about your new endeavor and the mission of True Digital Group, as well as what problems are you trying to solve for in the marketplace? Yeah, and, and thanks uh, for having me on, Jim. It's always fun to, to talk to you and be part of this. Uh, you know, we were, we had a great time going on the this giant RV across the country. Uh, definitely was an interesting experience in and of itself. But, you know, I think what we're trying to do at True Digital in many ways came because of the experience I had at NYDIG, but even also before that, working at Quantic Bank, uh, where it was my first time really in this industry. And at Quantic, you know, I was tasked with taking a one branch brick and mortar traditional community bank into a, a digital bank. And it seemed really, really, really hard. Uh, I had no clue what I was getting into when I got there. And then all of a sudden, I'm at NYDIG in the span of just a couple of years. I got to speak to almost a thousand financial institutions in this country. I, you know, the cores, the front end providers, so much of the ecosystem. And I think what I realized was it wasn't just challenging because Quantic was who it was being, a, you know, a small community bank when it came to figuring out how to use tech. All of a sudden, as a fintech salesperson, realized it's really hard to sell <laughs> to financial institutions, but it's not because they don't want innovation or they don't want new capabilities. It's just really, really hard as a financial institution to be able to understand the information that you need when it comes to vendors and how things work from a compliance and integrations, et cetera, and thought, okay, what if we could do something that did make it just easier uh, for financial institutions? And so as opposed to building a new widget or a new capability, that's what we set out to do uh, with True Digital. And I, I use a fun analogy you think back to the Hot Wheel tracks as kids, those little boosters that just sped the cars up. That's really what we're trying to do at True Digital is just to be a, little, a booster to say, wherever you're going, can we make it easier and faster for you? See, you're younger than I am. I, I'm sorry, but when I used the little cars, I had to buy more track and put the track further up the stairway. So, you know, that's how we got our boost. But, you know, when when we talk about this, I just came back from FinTech Meetup where FinTech companies are meeting with banks and they're they're going through this back and forth and find out what they also provide. 
How does the true digital platform help financial institutions better understand the third-party solution provider ecosystem and simplify the overall process of selecting the right innovation partner? I mean, we've all seen the the visual that shows, a, a, like, I think it's Wells Fargo Bank and all these different solutions that they can have in different areas. But this really expands, as we know, into thousands of organizations. And it's how do you peel back the layer of who I should partner with for any specific need? So how does True Digital Platform enable this? Yeah, you know, one of the things that's been fascinating uh, over these last several months is actually getting to coming to understand just how many software vendors a financial institution uses. So there's fintechs, but then there's also just a, a lot of software, whether it's board pack software, it's software to help you with Humda, CRA, loan servicing, etc. Um, and, you know, it's in the hundreds, even at hundreds of different vendors, even at a billion to $2 billion size financial institution. So what we've tried to do is say, okay, look, how do you understand the performance of a vendor? Or how do you find a vendor who can perform in a certain way for you? And so kind of a new category, if you will, of almost like a vendor performance system, as opposed to a vendor management system, which is helping me track the information I need about, you know, a vendor that I'm working with. And so with the platform we've built, one is to be able to say, hey, I'm looking for some type of additional, a vendor who can perform in a certain way. And I want to be able to see everyone who can do that. So you could take a category like online account opening or flood zone determination. And now you can see all the vendors that are out there that are in that category or the ability to say, hey, look, I'm not sure exactly what it is I'm looking for but I know we have a goal to generate more non-interest income or grow deposits or reduce fraud. And now I can see the vendors who perform in that way. So you can very easily understand, hey, within a certain objective, here's all the vendors who do that. But then much more importantly than just that discovery piece, if you're a financial institution, key to understanding, will this vendor be able to perform for me is to be able to understand what types of integrations are required and known to exist. And again, even if an integration doesn't exist, you can still be the first one to do it. You just need to be able to set that expectation and the ability to understand also, hey, I need to talk to someone else about how their experience with this performance has gone. You know, today we oftentimes, we have to have references. And so we ask our partners for those. And, you know, generally those are going to be more the, the advocates and champions of whatever the vendor is. But unfortunately, they oftentimes just aren't very similar to me in a way that's really helpful. It could be because it's a different type of primary regulator. could be you use a different front end or back end or different whatever. And so I can't actually get what I need to know. It's like me having a, you know, a Honda and you have a Mercedes and I'm trying to talk to you about changing the oil on our car. I, yeah, at some level, we're both changing oil, but it's a very, very different process we probably have to go through. And so that's really key, I think, is being able to say, okay, I can understand these components around integrations or policy impact, but then also I can actually find the right people to talk to that can help me you know, un understand or help me solve a problem. And so that's what we've done with the platform is you can navigate the world of software vendors and you know, there's, there's thousands of them to your point. You can understand things like integrations. You can understand ways of accessing the right counterpart for help whether, you know, for, for the bank or the credit union. 
So is this platform driven by financial institutions or by solution providers themselves? In other words, is this a pay-to-play platform where solution providers can actually amp up their exposure on your platform? No, so uh, it's a great question. We actually don't get paid by any vendor. We only get paid by a financial institution. Now, you know, at, at the macro view, the what we're trying to solve for is the relationship between software vendors and financial institutions. It's inefficient for both. It's easy to talk about, you know, from the bank side, the frustration of you get six months down the road and then it gets killed by compliance or it's not working the right way. But it's also incredibly expensive for vendors, especially fintech vendors. They have to use equity capital that they're raising to pay people and they too want it to be more efficient. What we felt like the way though, to the, the most optimal way to solve for this was to just take one side of that transaction, the financial institutions and say, let's just try to fully meet their needs. And so true digital there, that's what we've done. Uh, it's not because we don't care about the vendors. We just know we needed to focus here. But in doing that, the belief is it actually helps equally both sides. Uh, so no, we, we don't get paid by software vendors. Uh, software vendors can't change anything on our platform. They can't even get added onto our platform in the absence of a financial institution saying, I work with them because now I can attest to the performance of that vendor. So if a fin- let's take an example. If a financial institution wants to find out who are the providers of the digital account opening solutions, but also they want to find out how well does any specific solution integrate with other partners that maybe I've already selected? In other words, how do they integrate with a Jack Henry or uh, you know an FIS or any other you know a Fiserv, but also other individual solution providers? Will this platform show how these organizations have partnered with other organizations I'm using? Yes, it helps you understand associations, if you will, between different technologies uh, in, in an FI stack and the FI itself, and then allows you to use that to then say, okay, now I know kind of what question I need to ask of who when it comes to either the vendor or another financial institution. Here's a great example. There's a, there's a community bank that I know well in Georgia, and they you know, know many other banks are actually pretty active in the ecosystem. But when it comes to the core that they use and the front end that they use, and who they use for cards, uh, they actually don't know any other institution in the country that has those same attributes. And so oftentimes when they're then trying to say, okay, hey, I want to know if this thing will actually integrate and work for me, the vendor oftentimes can't explain it, or they don't know, and there's no way to understand that. And so you oftentimes just don't do anything, or it's an incredibly frustrating process. But now I can actually identify, okay, hey, there is someone who I can speak to. And, you know, we don't have information about like how easy or not it was. But if I can find the exact, those matching attributes, and I now know who I can call, I now know I can get the information that I need. And so that's what we help you do is say, okay, depending on what you're looking for, how, what are the attributes you need, if you will, like what's the fact pattern to find the right uh, person to talk to or the right questions to ask you know, your vendor. So it's interesting, you know, I, I'm going to say this is like an amped up Google search that I can, I can put something down. I'm not going to get any answers that are not respectful for what I'm looking for. So, you know, but finding out the potential providers of a solution really is, is 
only the first step. How does your platform help a bank or credit union understand how well a solution may work or how well cultures may mesh during the implementation process? Yeah, so you're, you're right. It's kind of like an amped up Google search that is built in a way that's native to a banker's world. So kind of like that, that translation layer. And that's interesting for sure. But I think kind of staying in the spirit of vendor performance, where the platform also, you know, we've tried to help is one is a question from the regulators are not a question, but an obligation to say, hey, what are you doing for ongoing third party monitoring? Not just the annual diligence you do on someone, but how are you making sure you're aware of what's happening with that vendor? And again, because of the nature of how we've gone about constructing this, we're able to harness powerful insights into, hey, is there something actually happening with a vendor somewhere else in the industry, good or bad, that could become a problem for me or a risk I need to think about mitigating, whether that's with the vendor I'm working with or a vendor that I'm interested in. And so, and there's really nothing there today in the same way, I think, that actually helps you. There's things that can monitor if there's a data breach, but that's, you know, how do I actually know how you're doing in terms of the industry or, or the go-to-market? Um, also similar in, or kind of in, in the spirit of vendor performance is what we've done is we've built some models to allow that us to show how capabilities translate to financial results. And so we've ingested all the call report data from banks and credit unions and then able to say, okay, where is their correlation happening because of financial you know, results to that? So, hey, if you have online account opening, for example, and the last quarter, those FIs generally saw 3% more deposit growth than those who didn't. That's a not, you know, very kind of easy one to get to. But what we want to be able to help the industry understand is not just the technical parts of performance, but how can I now understand if I had this capability, what would it mean to me from a, a financial result standpoint? And I think that's a big unlock really at the executive level in particular. So what's interesting, this is almost a behind the scenes communication platform to front financial institutions to put in who they're working with, but more importantly for financial institutions to actually interact with other financial institutions like them who are looking to or already have implemented a solution and get feedback as to, is this the path to take? You know, as I last, as I mentioned, the last time I talked to you, you were traveling the country in, in the RV and visiting community banks and credit unions to introduce the platform. You know, when you're talking with financial institutions, what do they like about what you said? And what challenges do they present that said, oh, I kind of like it, but this would be a challenge? Uh, you know, I think one where we've heard very consistent positive feedback is the universal the universality of uh, our platform. There's many you know amazing networks and conveners and cohorts happening in the ecosystem, and and in no way critical of any of them. In fact, partner with many of them. But the problem is, is none of them are necessarily big enough to have. Uh, the ability to actually help me find the, the counterpart I'm looking for. So because we allow for big banks and small banks and big credit unions and little credit unions, what that does is creates a very rich, you know, database because it may be that there's not another, you know, $3 billion bank using Horizon and some other vendor, but there is in fact the credit union. And most associations or most networks in the industry don't cross over in those same ways. And so you can, I think that's something we hear oftentimes 
uh, and the, the simplicity of it. I think we know when people see even just three or four screens of it, they almost immediately go, I'm in. <laughs> I think one of the, the questions we get asked from more from a challenge standpoint, uh, I would say one is kind of a meta theme of look at some level, if I'm, how do I, how do I think about competition and collaboration? And that's been, you know, a consistent kind of theme in the industry for me. I mean, as long as I've been in it and for many years, I think where the, you know, the more, the more specific question comes to is, Hey, look, this concept of what you've done seems to be incredibly powerful and simple, but it requires that you actually have enough financial institutions using the platform to get to those types of results. And so I'm in if others are in, right. it's kind of that classic chicken and chicken and egg game. Yeah. Uh, Boy, that's the banking industry. If, that is the banking industry if ever there was one. It's kind of like going, well, I'd, I'd rather be a, you know, a fast follower than an innovator. And you go, what am I missing here? Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that very much, you know, I, I know that I get it. And so part of how we even thought about what does it mean to engage with the platform? It's a one year contract and it's really cheap. And part of that there is, it's almost like you're buying a really cheap option. Hey, look, this seems really cool. And if enough people got onto it, it could really change the game. So, okay, sign up for a year. Let's see what happens. And if in a year we're not there, don't do it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like you're not committing uh, anything. I think what's been also kind of fun is the people, especially lately, you know, can kind of move past that. And then they immediately want to go to, well, couldn't we also do A, B, C, D, E, and F? And it's like, yes, but don't you remember you just asked this other kind of gating question, which is, can we get enough people to do it? If we do, like what we've done today and what we're showing people is just the tip of the iceberg, I think, of what's possible through collaboration. You know, that that's so funny, Patrick, because I know our discussion um, when you were in the RV really focused on not only, Jesus is really good, but your mind starts spinning on all the different ways it can be done going forward. I, we were talking about rating systems and all these other things. But one of the really best attributes of your platform right now is the simplicity. And my listeners know, I very rarely will interview or write about a solution during the earliest stages of development or implementation, because I just want to say, okay, let's wait to see how it works before we talk about it. But this really struck me as not only being sim simple in its solution, it's very much needed, but, but more importantly, and we haven't really talked about it, but the cost and the support you provide to financial institutions beyond the platform, just a support mechanism for the innovation process, is really separates you from anything I've ever seen. Can you discuss a little bit about both the cost and the support beyond the platform you're providing? Sure, and, and I really appreciate Jim, you know, being willing to have this conversation uh, about the platform at the stage we're in. Um, you know, I think what we, Bill, the way we talk about it kind of internal to true digital is this is an industry utility is what we've built. And so if it's an industry utility, it needs to be accessible to the industry. And so at a cost standpoint, it's $10,000 a year. So you're talking about $800 a month, give or take. And that's for you know institutions over a billion dollars in size. If you're below that, we do give a price break to $5,000. So it's ridiculously cheap. It, and there's unlimited seats. So as many people inside of the bank or credit union can use it that want to. Um, and all part of that is how we even thought about, look, 
how do we get the market to feel okay and comfortable and participating in a network like this? And if it really is going to be an industry utility, it does need to be accessible. We thought about the ROI from multiple different vectors so that it's exceedingly high. You know, you think about just the dollars of man hours spent at an FI in some way, talking to someone, going to a conference, doing a demo, going to diligence that doesn't actually result in a partnership. You've more than spent $10,000, right? Uh, And so, you know, we also didn't take, you know, VC funding for the platform, kind of going back to what the industry needs is just a neutral neutral utility. Um, In terms of the other things that we do to to support FIs, uh, we've got a couple other bigger projects coming that we're going to be releasing. But one of the things is from a reporting standpoint or the insights to be able to say, hey, what are what's happening as trends in the industry at organizations of a certain size in terms of vendors or capabilities that they're using? How do I understand you know the a risk assessment for a vendor and to be able to get that at almost you know for, at no cost and no friction? Uh, and so trying to do other things also from a content standpoint, you know one of the things here I've seen and we all know is when an FI can speak about how they got to the finish line on something, and then it had tremendous impact. That story is really, really powerful. But oftentimes, I don't know that we as bankers are the most effective storytellers. And so one of the things we're trying to do is help capture that content and those stories in a ways that are accessible to others, and then making that available. You know, it's interesting, Patrick, you know, it's not just the amount you save but the risk of not having full information. You know, if I'm a banker, which I've been, and I'm asked, find the best organization that can help me do X. There's two ways to go about it today. One is do my best to figure out through search, same thing, who are people out there that say they do this? Or I use a consulting group to say, find me all the players in this marketplace and make a recommendation as to which one I should use. In no, in neither one of those cases are you going to have the ability to reach out to another financial institution and actually get their version of how well it went. You're going to hear either the vendor's version of how well it went or the consultant company's version of how well it went. And you're not even sure if your consultant is going to know all the solutions out there. So when a brand new solution comes into the marketplace, eventually you're going to get it on your platform pretty quickly because someone will have implemented it. And I'm sure, you know, it, it benefits everybody, especially you and your team, to make sure that there's no gaps, that if XYZ company offers something, but it's not really on your platform yet, you're going to probably reach out and say, hey, I'll tell you what, guys, show me financial institutions that are using this so I can at least get it on the platform. You know, it, it's very interesting, again, from the simplicity, but also the ROI to me, which is why we're having this discussion, is so very clear in a marketplace where nobody has time. They just don't. They don't have time to implement anything new. In addition, everybody is afraid of making the wrong partnership because a lot of these are hard to get out of if you do it wrong. And thirdly, just to be around, and this isn't one you even brought up with me, but I'm thinking to be around and have access to other organizations that are doing innovative things. It's always great to be surrounded by people like you. And those organizations that are going to be part of this network are going to be those 
organizations that are actually using third-party solution providers to move forward. So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsors of this podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. So welcome back. I'm joined today by Patrick Sells, co-founder of True Digital Group. We've been discussing a brand new platform that can help financial institutions cut through the massive innovation ecosystem of solution providers. In short, be able to pare down all the solutions in any one category to find the best one for you. So Patrick, what do you see as the biggest challenge for banks and credit unions today as they try to innovate beyond finding the right solution provider? I think the biggest challenge is the unfortunate inertia at a cultural level we've, we've been accumulating. And because, you know, while today compared to six years ago, I do think it's tremendous the progress and awareness we've made as an industry around the need to be innovating the need to use more technology. And so there is a lot of great you know, momentum there. The flip side, though, is every time the organization or an industry tries to do something, someone picks up the mantle and runs with it, and then you don't get to the finish line. Everyone else just feels like, look, I don't have more time in my day to, to right. do that again. And yeah. it just isn't going to actually work. And so like, We've, we've seen this and that just builds this, you know, almost like debt culturally that you have to find a way to solve for. And I think it saps organizations way more than you realize. And so I think that challenge of, okay, can I really be willing to try again and to, you know, do, do it, start over if I can believe there's a different outcome possible than what the majority of my past experiences have been? Interesting. Before the break, we talked about, you know, one of these behind the scenes benefits of your platform is that just by the nature of what you're building here, you're going to be around organizations or have access to organizations that are like you looking for solutions that are like yours and probably are going to be willing to share what went wrong and went right, not just from the solution provider perspective, but from within the financial institution. Man, we didn't realize that this was going to happen or, you know, we thought it was going to be done in this amount of time, but we kind of got into the mess and made it worse than it should have been. So, you know, we we often talk about speed and scale being an important component of innovation and digital banking transformation. How does True Digital support the speed of information and innovation? Yeah, I want to give you two two different stories here. One, you know, I remember being at Quantic and we were trying to implement this vendor and we were about two months delayed into the project. And my head of uh, ops comes to me just exasperated and frustrated saying, can you find someone else I can talk to because neither the core nor the vendor can solve this problem and it just doesn't make sense. Someone else has had to do it. And so I made 30, 40 phone calls and eventually found someone made the connection, 30-minute conversation, and within a week, we were live because able to actually get the right help. And so that, that, that pain and that friction actually, I think, happens across the industry in almost every function of an organization. 
it's just not visible because we've just kind of had to learn to live with it. Uh, and we don't know that there's another way of doing it. And I think that ability to find that help can dramatically increase the speed. I think another thing, and I know, you know, we, we both have, t- we talked about this before is banks will oftentimes, you know, decide to hire this new vendor or this new FinTech to have, you know, a new capability online account opening or whatever. But then we don't oftentimes necessarily know how to actually implement it and how to actually harness the full uh, benefits of it. But even, and so, but I don't know how actually to know how I'm doing compared to others. So imagine you could say, hey, look, we've got this vendor that is supposed to help us reduce fraud and it's doing an okay job. Maybe it could be better. Maybe it could be worse. But if I could understand there's five other organizations about the same size of me that I could call and spend five minutes with each of them, hey, what fraud rate are you seeing? Well, 1%, 1%, 1.5%, and you're sitting there still at five. You go, oh, okay, wait a minute. I got to do something differently. And maybe now all of a sudden you can have the conversation with your team. Hey, you know, we told the vendor we weren't going to be okay with their recommendation here. We didn't realize that actually how much that was costing us. And maybe we said that because we weren't sure what would actually happen or how to think about the potential risk if we went that way, not this way. But we just now know there's four other organizations who've been using this vendor and they've experienced very different results. And so in some ways that almost like accountability or transparency, I think can really help then drive the speed of innovation because we can now get the information to get people off of, hey, I don't know. And when I don't know something, I tend to hold back, right? And so we, we give them that information and help them have that conversation. And that also can be a powerful accelerant to the speed of innovation. You know, one of the interesting things that, that I read about and you, you discussed with me off this podcast was that the marketplace is obviously continuously evolving. Um, a great solution today may suck tomorrow, and one that sucked today could be great tomorrow because of new changes in the implementation of new technologies. How does your platform help with both compliance considerations as well as the implementation challenges member financial institutions may encounter? In other words, you know, if, if there's a red flag that comes up, how do you notify your member organizations as to, oh, geez, guys, this is a challenge? Or how do you get rid of a red flag if a, a solution provider all of a sudden shows that, man, you know, they, they can't be hammered for what happened in the past because it looks like it's coming across differently now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So two ways today. One is the ability to notify the industry, so to speak, of issues that's happened. The reality is if any of us want to have a, a complete risk management framework, I can't just think about what's happening between me and a vendor because almost every single vendor I'm working with is actually working with many other financial institutions. This industry is deeply interconnected in many different ways, and we've all felt that through a certain vector over the last couple of weeks. And so by now having this kind of vendor performance system that sits across the industry if something is happening somewhere, I can be alerted. And it may not mean that I need to do anything, but it's if I don't know anything, I definitely can't be take any action. I can't be proactive. And so how do you move out of a world of, I only know what I see in Google or my staff finds out somehow. We can use technology to kind of scale information sharing across the industry. And so they can raise alerts. Uh, they can reach out about those alerts or to uh, the vendor. The other thing is so much of what happens 
at each organization is actually very redundant to the other, to every other bank or, or credit union. Yep. So one of the things we yep. did as an experiment was we asked, you know, to say, Hey, look, let's take a vendor and ask six or seven different FIs that are using it. And let's take a look at their risk assessments. 90, 95% of every person's risk assessment is the exact same because fundamentally the risk profile of that vendor means that certain policies will be impacted and certain decisions have to be made. But if we all have to do all of that work every single time, it's tremendously inefficient. And so here again, can we help kind of crowdsource that information to reduce the cost of innovation? But I think also from a compliance standpoint, and I felt this very much firsthand with NIDIG, is there are times when you, you sit down at an organization and you think about the, the basic function of what you know compliance is supposed to do, which is be able to understand and mitigate risk. And if you feel yeah. that burden and you don't understand a technology at all, you definitely can't figure out how to think about a risk management framework. And so the, the easiest answer is, let's just not engage. If all of a sudden I could understand how someone else did, you know, thinks about the risk. Yep. And at NIDIG, we built a model risk assessment. Every time compliance got on, the light bulbs went off. Oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> it wasn't that NIDIG didn't have risk or any fintech doesn't have, what doesn't, in, you know, invite certain risk. I just, if I can't understand it, I don't know how to mitigate it. And so the ability to crowdsource and share that information across the industry, I think is incredibly powerful uh, from a compliance standpoint. You know, you talk about the crowdsourcing capability and, and actually that's the benefit of your platform. Can you discuss a little bit about the onboarding process? How difficult is it for a financial institution to put the information that they have into your system and to keep the input of information dynamic and updated? Yeah, so what to onboard is very, very simple. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's an easy contract to understand. We don't have any types of integrations. We don't have any PII. We don't have any confidential information. And so like we ourselves are very, very simple and represent you know, low to no risk. But then in terms of the burden on the FI, what they have to say is, okay, look, these are the vendors and products that I use. And that can be an export from vendor management system. It can be done by APIs. We have integrations and ability to use that for most of the vendor management systems in the industry uh, at this point. And then, so that's what they are sharing. And again, that's, it can be a 30 minute export in terms of the updating of that information as the platform is constructed today. It's very, very simple because the velocity of, a, of an FI's vendor list on an annual basis from what we've seen is less than 7%. Like you're just not changing or adding that many vendors. <laughs> and actually yeah. one of the fun things here is when you think about this from a latency standpoint, Let's say you are on the platform and you found a bank you wanted to talk to about a certain vendor and you called them and they said, hey, actually, you know, three months ago, we stopped using that vendor. We just haven't updated True Digital yet. Well, I want to have that conversation, <laughs> right? That, that, that in and of itself is a fascinating conversation. Maybe there was something there I learned or maybe not. But so you don't even really have a latency issue, if that makes sense from a data standpoint. Yeah. Yes, of course, at some point. Uh, and then I would say today, because of the number of vendors that have already come into our platform from FIs that have subscribed, you know, the, if a bank joined tomorrow, probably less than 5% of their vendors will be net new to us. And so we, we don't even really need, it's very, very easy. Just be like, got it, got it, got it, done, right? 
You know, it's, it's interesting, Patrick, because, you know, this, this hit me that, you know, as big as this possibly could get and it even benefits from that, even if you had one additional player out there that used XYZ company as a, as a um, solution provider, that conversation you wouldn't have in today's marketplace. You wouldn't know who that is. And to be able to have that makes it valuable just from that one contact. Now, obviously, when you have many more financial institutions and many more solution providers, the mass of data gives you choice. But even one contact is something we're not getting today. So how do you as an organization look to police a true digital platform to make sure it's it's meeting the needs of the, the marketplace, but also meeting your expectations as to what it could possibly become? Uh, you know, I, I can't help but Jim, I'm, I'm very excited about this platform, obviously, and, and the potential of it. You know, I think w- just one last comment as I've been going through the database myself. Yeah, there's a lot of value on some of the more, you know, fintechs as we would think on them with air quotes around that. But I actually think back when I was sitting at Quantic, there's a ton of other vendors or software providers that do things for like everyday functions inside of a bank. But those vendors don't, they're not the ones sponsoring, you know, Money 2020. They're not the ones doing those same things. And so you just don't know. <laughs> and I actually yeah. think the power we're going to be able to bring to, oh my gosh, I've been doing this thing with spreadsheets. I didn't know there was some simple vendor out there that, you know, 20 other banks are using that makes my life a lot easier when it comes to Humda. I go back to that just as an example. So very excited about that kind of actual unlock happening for the industry. In terms of the policing you know, what we, tr- what we tried to do was create a, a V1 framework that said, look, what, would a, what does it mean to be a member of the platform in a way that would feel equitable to others? We didn't want it to be that, you know, you could, jo- you could just be a consumer of it. You had to be contributing. And so we put a framework together that says, this is kind of what's required. And if you don't do it, we have the right to terminate your membership. But then, you know, w- what, what we're go- going to do, we've been putting together different uh, kind of focus groups or advisory groups, you know, some of CIOs, some are COOs, you know, banks, credit union, CEOs, different people and saying, look, at the end of the day, this is your guys's, the industry's platform. If you want to make it so that there's more information required, you know, to be shared, great, <laughs> do that. But because, you know, for, from our perspective, if we built something that's an industry utility, we didn't take VC funding, we're not going to sell it, uh, then it, what we need to do is say, what is it that the network wants from this? And if the majority of the network wants something, then we're going to add it. And so the, the policing, if you will, really is turned over. Even the way the product roadmap works is we've gone through all these conversations. We've been making a list of here's everything people have asked. Well, what if we did this? And then think of it almost like a Reddit members can say, yes, I want that feature. And then we'll look at it and say, okay, these are the most requested features and that's what we're going to go build. Or this is the new burden or requirement we're going to place on people, but here's the benefit that comes from it. it it's amazing because it's really building a community. And I, I could see down the road you having events just for your members because the dynamic nature of what you're doing is really, there is a, 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 a personality of organizations who are going to become part of this. They're, they're looking for the growth. They're not looking to say, I'm joining your organization simply to find this one solution. They're really buying into the, the ongoing nature of this. So um, you mentioned your pricing earlier. It's very wallet friendly. Can any size organization become a member? 
Yep. Uh, we so the largest that's fully onboarded would be just about at a hundred billion in size. The smallest is a forty million dollar uh, de novo. Just yesterday, we had a seven eight hundred million dollar bank uh, from the Northwest join. And so any size organization can participate. The only requirement is you have to be a bank or a credit union. That's great. Okay. And finally, if an organization doesn't want to wait until you come to visit their city in your bus, how can they learn more? Yeah. Uh, we're more than happy to come to anyone who wants in our, in our bus. Uh, it's, it's been a fun thing, but you can go to the website, truedigitalgroup.com. You can reach out on LinkedIn or to me personally. Um, you know, and that, that's the easiest way. You can actually onboard on the website in about five minutes, uh, but the website would be the best way or reaching out to me, Patrick at truedigitalgroup.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for being on the show. And it, I really wish you a lot of luck because, you know, as, as people know, I'm, I'm, if nothing else, I'm a major advocate for the industry and for organizations being able to move forward in it. And it really excites me about the platform you're building and, and have built and the opportunity that it provides down the road and, uh, and, and provides today. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Jim. And thank you for doing this. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed today's interview, please give our show a five-star rating on your preferred podcast platform. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research you're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Sean Rohoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember that the best way to innovate is to learn from the experience of others. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.